0: Oh, I'm so stinky. I even showered today. It's just the heat. (laughs) Maybe I didn't put on deodorant, which is not that deep. I'm not leaving the house. You know, I'm talking to someone on the computer. It don't matter.
1: Through this screen, you're fine.
0: Yeah, like, once I got long COVID, like, I I started using deodorant, like, a lot less.
1: Oh. Well, you don't leave, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's like the same thing with me shaving my legs. Like,
0: fuck it. Who cares? I don't mind. Like, <laughs> and like, <laughs> I,
1: like, like, you know, I, I've.
0: This doesn't happen frequently. Oh, I love that this is being recorded. <laughs> this doesn't happen fre- frequently, but I, I sometimes get rashes from
1: deodorant because mm-hmm. you know there's mm-hmm. fucking like
0: carcinogens in that shit. Oh
1: yeah, I used to use like Old Spice for men. And the my armpits would literally be red and itchy. Yeah. What's going on here? I just Yeah, um,
0: like good. my I like my skin would freaking like gab and shit. Like it was nasty. And it's like, why I can just not put myself through that. And then if I just like use it when I'm going out, then like it lasts a lot longer.
1: Oh yeah. Shit's expensive.
0: Yeah, it is. So <laughs> So shout out to the stinky girls. Uh, uh, yeah, my mom keeps having to bully me into taking a shower, which is not something a thirty-one year old should admit. <laughs> but
1: I mean, I feel like we've all been there. So.
0: Yeah, I'm physically and mentally ill. Like, what do you want from me?
1: <laughs> You're doing as much as you can.
0: Yeah, pretty much. You know, Coffee. maybe I, mean, I could maybe do a little bit more. But yeah, you know, I showered today because it was not good. It was not a good situation. Mm just was fucking stinky as hell man (laughs) well anyway all right we can just start the show in hello and welcome back to the clown hospital podcast the mental health podcast that is not afraid to admit that capitalism is the problem i almost introduced the wrong podcast which i've done several times before but this time i caught it cool so it's me sadie your host and back with me today uh after being gone for not very long at all um <laughs> although by the time this comes out it'll be like two or three months but, um, i got fucking i got i got a fucking backlog which is great my new friend ariana
1: hi it's me again
0: how are you what's up how have you been since- you
1: know same day new day same shit basically you know
0: <sighs> that i do know <laughs> as a
1: um, still sucking wait what capitalism still sucking. yes yes
0: it's the problem always yeah great so we're here to talk about medical trauma and life after medical trauma
1: mm-hmm. um
0: just a pretty big topic have, emotional heavy hitter cool so so what 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 does the audience need to know about you before we get into this?
1: I can't remember what I said last time. I used to be a social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to school for psychology. I feel like it all ties in eventually. Like I'll, I'll make it, you know, full circle. But other than that, really since like I had that medical trauma, I've just been trying to be very present. So I'm a very present person, I guess, is a good thing to know about me i try as hard as i can to live in the present every day because my anxiety is like you know oh my god remember this time in kindergarten when you farted in the, in the front of the whole class like my <laughs> will remind me of the most embarrassing moments of my life or worry about the future so if still- farting in
0: kindergarten oh. is like the most embarrassing moment of your life you're you're, you're sitting pretty That's extremely funny.
1: (laughs) It's not, but it's it was the first thing that came to mind, you know, (laughs) on a smaller scale. But yeah, it really
0: um, fucks me up that you remember that. (laughs) Like,
1: I could go on. Say, you have no idea, uh, because
0: I can't tell you a single thing from kindergarten. Is there embarrassing stuff that I did in kindergarten? Absolutely. I mean, I can't say absolutely because I don't know, but I don't remember. (laughs) So, the fact that it was, like, such a big deal that it, like, the stench is still in your mind.
1: It was more like third grade, but yeah. I
0: couldn't tell you about third grade, either. I couldn't tell you about elementary school at all. But anyway, you're going to say something, and (laughs) then I just was stuck on your fart.
1: Uh, No, you're good. But other than that, um, I also have had, like, an extensive medical history just because my body loves shitting out on me. So, it's, like... I've been in and out of like the ER and doctor's offices and all this shit, like my whole life. So this was just another layer to the cake, I guess of my medical records, the story, the main story that I'm going to share, but yeah, that's all you need to know about me. Other than that, pretty cool girl.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Farting is natural. Uh, We all do it. Um, (laughs) that's just gonna now now see you think about that all the time apparently and now I'm gonna think of it all the time and I barely even know you so that's hey. str- kind of a strange dynamic but you know I don't think I have any <laughs> friendships that aren't based in a really weird dynamic uh so we're fine
1: I love that for you <laughs> I love that for us
0: hell yeah I guess I also I just want to like qualify real quick. I so said, like, this is, you know, this is a topic I want to talk about as well. And, you know, th- there's two major things for me. Like, it, I haven't had like a lifetime of medical shit, but like as a kid, I had some medical issues that I had to get surgery for twice and I didn't really know. Well, I don't even know if I know it was happening or not, but I know it was, a stressful, confusing thing, you know, dealing with private part of the body. (laughs) Um, Mm. So like there's lots of layers there. And, you know, also I have long COVID (laughs) and, you know, I like very quickly. Well, like, you know, last 2000, 2021, I like, you know, quit my job, went to the psych ward twice, went to IOP twice went to partial hospitalization once and that was like a lot and i was just like it's just like so many appointments and then i got long COVID, and then it's just like man my whole life is fucking appointments and and especially with long COVID, just like and i'm sure i don't well i don't really know much of your story but this is pretty often universal of doctors being like yeah we know something is wrong but like we don't know like what um and the episode before this actually is the long covid episode. But but I said I said this so I said this last week quote unquote like 2 days ago in recording time. But I just remember like my like nurse practitioner saying, "We don't know why this happens. We don't know how to treat it. But we know other people have it." Just great. That- That's
1: helpful. Wow. I feel yeah. so much better. <laughs>
0: and it's like (laughs) like i think it's like nice to know that there's like community out there but if you're not gonna like link you to that community yeah and i'm i i am in a long COVID facebook group (laughs) maybe you should not be because everyone (laughs) is miserable (laughs) like there there there's like occasionally a hopeful post and it's very very occasional cool so anyway let's get this started with uh this A general question that I I think is very important, sort of like, you know, why are we talking about physical health on a mental health podcast? And the question being, how do we experience, navigate the intersection of physical and mental health? Personally, how do these two things bounce off of each other?
1: I feel like you can't really have one without the other. You know what I mean? You can't be healthy, in my opinion, unless you're mentally healthy then you you know and vice versa um that's just been such a strong core belief for me and like I'm thinking of one instance in my mind I used to have this boyfriend who was like obsessed with going to the gym and being like physically fit and I'm like that's great that's awesome happy for you if that's your journey that's what you want to do but like is everything okay up here because if not then what's the point in Doing that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can change physically your physical appearance, but what's inside matters just as much, if not more, in my opinion. So I feel like they definitely... You know, coincide and
0: yeah, well, like, I'm thinking, like, you know, the mental, like, the, the thing that I've been saying since episode one of this podcast is, and I've said it last week too, but the brain is an organ in the body. And like, we have this like cultural tendency not to think of it that way. And I don't really know why that is. Like, I, you know, have some theories about like, you know, just the impact of like religion and like. we talk about like souls it makes us thinking of bodies as like our soul as like an out-of-body thing Mm -hmm. um that's just out my ass but like yeah like that is important Like to actually talk about what you just said like that is important because you know like the first thing i thought of is like what mental state you're in or like patterns or whatever that that is like and you're exercising regularly like how you approach that exercising is going to go a lot differently, depending on where your mental health is like, because you can, you can exercise as a form of coping and that could be healthy and good. And you can over-exercise to the point of injuring yourself, uh, Mm -hmm. to the point of self-harm, to the point of other mental and physical issues. Um, And if you are just focused on like one thing, that's like the magic bullet or whatever, it's not gonna be that simple and like it you know that's why it's important to like be holistic and like take everything all together because like they're not separate like my brain is in my head but I don't know what else to tell you (laughs) like
1: exactly and like if now that I'm thinking about it like all through like grade school growing up like you really only learn about like physical health like what's healthy to eat like exercise blah 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 but they never teach you or at least they never really taught me the importance of your mental health until maybe late high school early college I feel like but
0: and that's well and then nutrition is another thing that can impact your mental health and your mental health can impact how you eat like Mm -hmm. it's like you know it's worth talking because it's like a huge component (laughs) of health yeah they're not actually that separate
1: Mm mm-hmm agree
0: yeah like you know i i had a little stint of drug use because of my mental health and now i have to pee way too fucking often (laughs) because i ruined my bladder and i could have ruined it a lot worse uh so we're grateful for that but the like the our mental health impacts how we engage with the world and that impacts our body and vice versa and like the things we do uh whether it's just in a crisis or a regular thing we do like that impacts our body for better or worse depending on what the Mm -hmm. thing is and it's like so weird that they're separate Separated and like, I, I guess, like, mental health is like taboo, and physical health is, I would say, less taboo. I wouldn't even say it's not because, like, the like medical, like, you know, like, I'm thinking about like BMI and all sorts of ways that like shame and shit is built into that shit, and like, yeah. and that's like another thing is another layer of you know the classic story of like going to the doctor and Mm -hmm. they're like you're just fat and like I haven't had that experience but I know
1: I've
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. I know a bunch of other people have too because I I see posts about it online a lot and like that it's like that (laughs) I don't think because like you're just shaming someone and then someone who's shamed is gonna like that's not necessarily a way that it's not necessarily going to change the behavior. It's just going to cause shame. And then we cope with that. However we do. And then right. that impacts our mental health and that impacts our physical it, health. And like, it exactly. it's just all fucking connected.
1: You already know. And it's like, historically too, like, um, and from experience, like they don't, doctors and like people in the medical field don't really take, women seriously either like yeah, that's how no. my whole thing started um and we can get into it if you want to get into it story yeah.
0: well first real quick um yeah. you know and also like people of color specifically black people you know there's like long history of experimentation there oh, yeah. which is that that you know it's gonna affect someone's mental health and physical health like in What they like, who they engage with, and who they trust, and you know, there's
1: trust out there.
0: Yeah, and then also like this, there's like this implicit belief that like Black people don't experience pain. So like, like their shit's always so minimized, and like that Mm -hmm. is like a big part of like the life expectancy being different. I haven't finished this book yet, but like, if you want more on that, you should read Medical Apartheid. But I'll put that in the show notes. And then I just, real quick, I just wanted to, like, you know, my piece on these things bouncing off of each other is, like, I don't think, and I, I said this last week, I think, but I don't think it's coincidental that I, you know, had this, like, long year and change of mental health struggles and, you know i'm still in some ways in the midst you know i'm i'm on the up and up but and then getting on i don't think those things are coincidental i you know experience a lot a lot of stress and you know like before i got covid the second time in 30 days i had a really stressful thing happen the day before and then i am still recovering and like you know the body keeps the fucking score and all of that stress eventually caught up with me that is like how and you know there's more factors in that, like you know covid I, my body didn't create covid
1: yeah um
0: but how i think my body how my body addressed covid or reacted to covid was highly impacted by the stress that i was experiencing that is still within my body um mm-hmm. so yeah that's yeah. what i got to say so Fuck, fuck me up. Give me a story.
1: All right. But before I want note, I literally took a class in college named stress management. And it was literally about learning the effects of long-term stress, what it can do to your body and your mind. So like that is factual. I want the audience. Yeah. To... I
0: mean, people even <laughs> say like, and I don't know where this, you know, the actual statistics, but like stress being like the number one killer. Yeah,
1: yeah, because it could cause heart disease. It could cause literally any um, like illness, like long-term illness. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, there's
0: like so much overlap between like chronic illness and like PTSD and other mental illnesses. Like
1: right, and I
0: am in that hole.
1: Yes, welcome. Welcome to the hole, the Hobbit hole. (laughs) But all right, so trigger warning for mm. medical trauma
0: yeah It uh, <laughs> <That> checks out
1: <laughs> words. words I'm like what words so this was back in 2013 um so I was a freshman in college before this I'd never really had like any huge medical things except I was in the hospital with pneumonia in eighth grade and like broken bones, sprained ankles, like stuff like that. Nothing ever crazy. So I'm in college. Um, I start getting like this crazy weird pain on my right side down toward my hip that like wraps around in my back and like my front, my side, whatever and so i'm like oh this is weird let me just take some advil but like the pain gets keep it keeps getting intense and worse and eventually i get myself to the er now this is like some months afterwards started get to the er the doctor a man just wanna put that out there. Yes. Um, comes in, like gives me like a physical check, like ma- like checks my back for like not scoliosis, but he thinks the source of my pain is my back, even though um, my I neck to, like, my and, back. Never you know. sorry. <laughs> no, but like <laughs> it's crazy that you say that because
0: Oh no. Um,
1: <laughs> let me not get your there. Pussy let, in me, your crack. Let, let me get there. It might be, it might be my pussy. But <laughs> um well there's an
0: episode title somewhere in there
1: yes Jesus well anyway go ahead (laughs) I love that part by the way that you get the titles from what we say but anyway yes so he's just like oh I think you have a pinched nerve like here's some painkillers like mild painkillers um you know just take it whenever your back is hurting I'm like all right sounds awesome nothing to worry about that was a joke, but. shortly after that the pain just kept getting worse the painkillers weren't really helping I have a super sensitive stomach so like anytime I would take a painkiller I would throw it back up anyway so yeah
0: I can I can I tell a story real quick yes I, I uh when I was a teenager probably like 18 or 19 but I was like I was in high school until 19 I probably I was probably 17 or 18 and I bruised my rib in a mosh pit and they gave me Tylenol with codeine and
1: oh my god
0: and yeah I, it was too strong for me and my crush like I asked my crush for a ride to school the next day and my then crush not current um because mm-hmm. you know this was several several, <laughs> several years ago I don't know why I even feel the to <laughs> for that but she like I asked her, I was like, oh, like, I like was maybe going to need a ride, but wasn't sure. So I was like, and then I texted her like, oh, I don't need a ride. But she like misread it and was like, okay, like, I'll be there at like whatever time. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to correct her. Like, my crush is going to give me a ride to school, I'm not going to correct her. And she shows up in my driveway, and I am throwing up violently in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And while she's waiting for me, she reads the text, and she's like, Oh, I just saw that you don't need to ride by. (laughs) Well, anyway, you throw up every time you took a paint.
1: Well. Yeah, so, um, well, let me back up. I'm getting too ahead of myself in this story. Okay. So I was prescribed the painkillers, didn't take them yet. I ended up going to the gyno in mm-hmm. the interim just for, like, my annual checkup. Yeah. They did, like, they did everything they normally do. Um, I did mention I was having pain on my side. So they did, like, a internal check that I always do. And they're like, hmm, like, I don't feel anything, so you're, you're probably fine. Um, just let us know if the pain persists, whatever, you know, basic bullshit. Every doctor says, just let us know if you're still yeah, in pain. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So again, I go home, the pain gets worse over time. So bad to the point where I'm like bedridden now. Like I am trying everything I can to alleviate the pain. I'm trying stretching. I'm trying, I finally tried the painkiller and it just, I threw it up and then we went to urgent care because I was like I literally like I've never been in so much pain in my entire life so we're in urgent care I'm like I guess I didn't throw up the drug all the way and I don't remember what it is I want to say Percocet um but I was in a wheelchair in the urgent care waiting room <laughs> this is terrible oh Could not like I could not control my body. I was like hunched over. I was like leaning back. I'm like my mom's like, can you like walk to the this wait like waiting area? I'm like nope, can't. You're literally like nodding out. I'm literally like I don't know what's going on. Like I don't feel right. So you were high in opiates. I yeah, and I (laughs)
0: literally like what was happening with that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, but so urgent care can't even help me. They see how much pain I'm in. They're like, you need to go to the emergency room. So we go to the emergency room again. This all takes place um, within a year also. So I've been misdiagnosed for a whole year now. I get to the ER. They do an MRI. They do CAT scans. They do all the tests that the first ER doctor should have done, but didn't turns out that my ovary had torsed. and so what that means is i had a cyst so big on my ovary that it literally twisted itself and suffocated and was dead inside my body for god knows how long i don't know how i didn't have die of sepsis i don't know i am lucky well
0: yeah thankfully you did not yeah. oh my god that like hurts my ovaries i don't even have them yeah, I can like feel it where they would be.
1: <laughs> it's oh. yeah, it was the worst pain I have ever been in, and so they ended up, they were like, Um, ma'am, we have to do emergency surgery on you like now, and I'm like, What do you mean? I just have a pinched nerve in my back, and they're like, Yeah, no, you have your ovary has torus, and um, they ended up having to, I think, my surgery was like maybe four hours after that. Like it was bad. And normally with that type of surgery, they go in through your belly button. So they don't have to like, you know, fully cut you open. But my ovary was so big at that point that they had to do a C-section. Yeah. And for any women out there who are listening, anyone who's had a baby or has had to been cut open down there it's a long recovery yes and like I literally like could not sit up on my own I could not walk on my own I like couldn't go to the bathroom for a while this whole thing so picture me a younger naive like happy me yeah just, how old were you I was 21 maybe just graduated high chicken grade freshman in college um it's about to be finals week also so like I'm almost done my first year of college and then that lands me home for like at least a month or two all because a doctor didn't necessarily do all the tests that he should have done because who knows why but
0: yeah how fucking like how I'm just like how long was that Your ovary just like twisted and oh yeah. Because you said you're misdiagnosed for over like for like a year. Like oh my god, like that. Yeah. How are you alive is a very real question.
1: Literally.
0: Holy shit.
1: And it's been quite the journey through recovery because that like messed up my hormones a lot, which messed up my brain a lot. Yes. So like I was like I know about that. I just like that's really when I remember um like my depression and anxiety starting like that was like a key factor for me it was after that crazy crazy event and now you're looking at a human with only one ovary and fallopian tube
0: (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) I mean
1: so but since that time I've had an extreme mistrust of anyone in the medical field. Clearly, I make sure to like double and triple check or like get multiple opinions if anything is wrong with me from now on, which I shouldn't have to do because, you know, like doctors should be able to do their job. I get they're busy people, but. And also, you're you're
0: a busy person, I'm sure. Like Like, that
1: paid
0: like getting multiple opinions and all that shit like for and lino like not everything is a burst ovary and like it's like getting a second opinion on things that aren't as urgent like i can see that being like a huge drain on you
1: Mm -hmm. and then and financially also yeah and like now like i just like i and i'm i hate to admit but i'm like in the bad part of where like i dread going anymore Like, I put it off for as long as I can, really, just because I don't want to deal with it. And that's, like, something I've been working on in therapy, like, you know, because we need people in the medical field to live, I guess.
0: Yeah. But
1: yeah so that happened and then I think I had like another small string of hospital stays after that I had mono <laughs> like it's unreal unbelievable oh my God. Um, yeah I'm just a little klutz <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's the word for any of this. I don't know if any of I don't know if any of this has to do with being clumsy
1: I know it's just <laughs>
0: i tripped <laughs> i tripped and my <laughs> ovary got twisted
1: ah, i fell down the stairs and my ovary got hit on the nor- on the doorknob you know like oh horrible
0: oh, oh my god yeah i mean yeah so one of my questions here is that, that you've answered uh, is how has medical trauma impacted the way you engage with medical care and that's huge well like one thing that just stood out to me is like we need i guess we need medical professionals people in the medical profession to survive and it's like yes but it's like so much deeper than that like we need people mm-hmm. in the medical field that we can trust we yes. need medical care that we can access such as universal health care um, mm-hmm. that is properly fucking funded because i know a lot of, like some places that have it you know it, it is a nightmare in its own senses as well mm-hmm. um we need you know, medical professionals who are, like, compassionate, and part of that is not overworking them. We definitely have this idea of, like, doctors being, like, super wealthy, and there's there's truth to that, but, like, I recently learned about, like, you know, residencies, and just, like, how exploitative they are, and, like, you're working, like, fucking, like, 24-hour shifts, and, like, yeah. come, like relatively, you're not making that much money, and, like, it just it just sounds like such a fucking nightmare and i can't i'm i just don't understand how anyone like survives that (laughs) like it it seems like honestly fairly abusive to me Mm -hmm. um or at least very conducive to abuse if not inherently abusive
1: yeah and
0: yeah like compassion and patience and like you know like you just said like doctors are busy like what if doctors weren't so busy and you know and there's also like this like idea that like like that doctors just have all the medical knowledge and like laymen can't like don't have that knowledge and like you know like a doctor is just a fucking person
1: mm-hmm. like
0: and can be fallible and make mistakes or intentionally be like harmful in some way mm-hmm. and You know there there's just like so many layers of shit that needs to happen for people to actually access medical care and then get quality medical care because like also it's just like quality is also
1: very important yeah just
0: like the amount of money you pay in like premiums every month and then the bills Mm -hmm. and then like and so much of like your story seems like could have been prevented or like preempted Mm -hmm. um or like just caught a lot earlier if more extensive testing was done it wasn't just like oh yeah you just have a thing like there's just like this like hand wave that i hear in so many stories of just like Mm -hmm. oh it's not that big of a deal and then Mm -hmm. um i just watched this uh documentary aftershock which is about it's on hulu that is about like the maternal mortality rate among black mothers and like how many like just like the amount of black mothers who die with complications around childbirth birth is like so not proportional like just like just happens so much more than like any other segment yeah and that shit is fucking scary and like and then compounded with just like how hard medical care is to access and how hard it is to pay off when you can access it Mm -hmm. that makes that hit like that just like so much like you just pay all this fucking money just to watch your wife die or just to die yourself or to be born and not have a mother like
1: right and
0: it's just like so fucked up and so unacceptable um it's like weird to like talk about that and then be like oh well like my personal (laughs) take uh my personal experience you know, it's funny because if I were to be cute, my my medical problems as a kid were on my ovaries uh, or equivalent as such. And so, like, I, I feel some kinship. <laughs> it's definitely different. It's definitely different. And, like, definitely on a, on a level because, like, I, I got surgery as a kid at, like, 5 and 12, I think. And you know that like that is a that's like a whole other thing of like when you're a kid you just kind of don't know what's going on and i don't i don't know like what was like told to me or really i don't really know any of that stuff and but i I, like remember like being an adult and like two things like knowing that i had surgery for that twice and not knowing what it was like i i remember like was i told when i was kid i don't know but as an adult, I was, like, I, I know I got something, and I don't know what it is, and then the other thing being, like, going to the doctor as an adult, and being, like, wait, you're not gonna, like, touch my junk, <laughs> like, because it was just, like, such a fucking, like, yeah, it's dark, but it's funny, you're allowed to laugh, um, is, like, like, oh, like, that was just, like, normal to me, and, like, I I, like, I can vividly remember like going to the doctor and like and just like the pain and like discomfort of like that sort of exam happening Mm -hmm. like fairly regularly and you know like it's you know it was all like above board as far as I know um but like that's still like having that need at that young age and like so like you know surgery is invasive yeah uh even if it's life-saving it's invasive, and like that is traumatic in its own way like even like there's there's such a you know like there's a lot of stories of like trans people who get like gender affirming su- surgery and you know it's worth it in the long run but like having your body even if you want it having your body change is like that's like a big shock to your fucking system
1: yeah um my body has never been the same also yeah i'm um, like since where they cut you open like all your nerves get sliced through too (sighs) so like i still can't feel part of like my lower belly um like my scars are still very visible like i can literally and this is crazy but like i can literally like feel my organs sometimes which is like beforehand No, like I would have never been able to like feel movement down there, but like I can now. And it's just the the weirdest sensation. And like I have like not phantom, no, phantom pain. Yeah, phantom pain and like terrible scar tissue pain. And that's just one I have to live with for the rest of my life. Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. And like maybe you wouldn't have had to if it was an emergency and they could like do it the, traditional way the
1: Mm -hmm. belly button rather than yeah all they would have had to do like if my gyno would have caught that in the first place they would have just had to drain the cysts and I probably would have been fine
0: yeah just like in your story like the negligence it's just like profound and it's also profound because I know it's like not really that unique
1: yeah
0: it's like it's not my story but like I know like you know it, it's just not something I haven't or like I haven't heard you know I just told you about the documentary I watched that yeah
1: yeah uh,
0: you know it's, it's in that documentary it's like be, what
1: it shouldn't be common like these things no. should not among women no, and, yeah or people like you know
0: yeah, like why I brought up the documentary because like such a big part of it was like the women being like something isn't right and the doctors being like nah, it's just like a normal thing and then they're dead like and like that is just it's just like, you know, and as like former social workers, the both of us just like the pressure of working like the raw materials of our labor is like people's lives, the lives of the people who like are v- often vulnerable in some way um and which is that's the same for doctors um and to be like so negligent when your decisions can end or like hugely alter someone's life is just like it's fucking scary and it's something that could happen to anyone with also like if you're of like as we've said like a woman or a black person or like a black woman like the 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 likelihood definitely goes up yeah. and cuz it can happen to anyone but there are some people who it most like most often happens to yeah. um yeah it's fucking scary and like for like for me like in my story it's just like you know just for years i've been like hesitant to go like to the doctor and like my doctor like I can't believe she still prescribes me hormones because she, like you're supposed to get blood tests like every six months or whatever. I haven't gotten a blood test in like two fucking years. Like, <laughs> I can't believe that she doesn't just like go hard, like play hardball with me because like I just like refuse <laughs> to do it. And like I don't even know what it is. And like another thing, and like for years, like for years, I would go to the doctor, they would take my blood pressure, and they would be like. Yo, what the fuck? Like your blood pressure is fucking sky fucking high right now, and then twenty minutes later, the doctor would take it, rather than like the nurse or whatever, and it would be fine, and like there, and, um, and then I would start being like, "Yes, it's going to be high, and then in twenty minutes it's going to be fine." And they're like, "Oh, you got the white coat anxiety. Like, just like, go to the doctor. Like, just just like, get my hormones like tested or like anything." Like, any small thing is just, like, just, like, not even, like, on a conscious level, but my body just is anxious. Even if yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not necessarily even worried about the appointment. It's just, like, being in that setting and just, like, mm-hmm. does something to mm-hmm. my body. There is, but- like, a trauma response there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, more recently, and I wanted to piggyback off of what you said about um like doctors being like not the end or be all but yeah like they have the control to you know help you or to turn you away pretty much um and so once COVID started when I went out on FMLA um leave from my social working job um and I think I alluded to this in our last um podcast but my family doctor who I had been going to see at that point for maybe 12 years who diagnosed me with anxiety and depression would not help me fill out the the fmla paperwork to go on leave like refused, refused why because I didn't refill a prescription of prozac from him yeah what? I I decided to go to a therapist who was actually, you know, specialized for mental health because he referred me out anyway. He's like, oh yeah, for your hormonal issues, you can either go on birth control or antidepressants. And I said, oh, I don't want to do either of them. So let me go to a therapist. And so that's when I like made that switch um and once he wouldn't help me fill out the paperwork i needed my therapist to help me fill out the paperwork and i got a new family doctor like the next day hell yeah
0: that rules yeah
1: that's oh so my god that's... Like, it was fucked it was absolutely fucked them like his assistant who answered the phone was like um, she said something about uh, you can't go to work because your anxiety because you have anxiety and I said excuse the fuck out of me it's pretty debilitating if you've ever had it um and your doctor your boss diagnosed me with this so what do you mean he's not going to fill out the paperwork because I didn't fill my prescription
0: like I I like you know I went on FMLA
1: mm-hmm.
0: as well for mental health reasons mm-hmm I was taking my antidepressants like it's so like you know the the medication helps is a boost for sure mm-hmm. but it is not the cure all and from my you know i've listened to your story twice because i've edited it as well as recorded it and you know it's, i think there is more going on there than taking medication like there was like profound there was like repetitive trauma yeah and like being on prozac sure it could have helped but like would it have been the make or break and like you don't have to go on fmla i like as someone of similar experiences who was on antidepressants Mm -hmm. and still is but was on antidepressants like while I went on FMLA and then quit my job, I I don't think that's make or break and like, such a yeah. weird...
1: No, and, like, the way he instructed me to take it, too, like, I later found out that this is, like, somewhat normal, but because I went to him saying it was my hormones from the surgery yeah. I had, um, he was like, well some people with like um more hormonal depression or pmdd um will take their antidepressants like every third week or something like he instructed me to take it a weird way Mm -hmm. and i was already in school and like in the field learning about how to take medication i'm like that doesn't sound right so i'm going to go to a therapist which is also
0: just like normal or not it just sounds like you know especially like as a young person like taking a med on that like that schedule seems hard like I would just
1: yeah. take, I would
0: take it once and then forget to ever take it again.
1: Right? So would I and um shit what was I gonna say and because of that like eventually I did end it um end up trying the Prozac and I had to switch like I found Zoloft. Me and Zoloft are very fond of each other now. Hell um, yeah. I did, or like, right after that time where he wouldn't help me, um, my next doctor did want me to try Prozac, and I did, and it worked for a second. You know how, like, mm-hmm. they work for a second, and then you're like, oh, no, this isn't the one for me.
0: Yeah, that's that was me and uh, Alexa Pro.
1: Yeah, so um, eventually I did get there, but I was at a place where I wanted to try to do it on my own and I didn't want medication and that's like you know such a misconception even now like my whole family like me and my sisters and my mom were all medicated for anxiety and I don't think now I would never I don't think I could ever be on medicated again because that's like I function now yeah and I was not functioning.
0: But, yeah. And it, yeah. it often takes a few antidepressants to figure it out. Yeah. It's just normal. That's, no
1: shame. Uh, no shame.
0: Absolutely not. Yeah. And uh, that is crazy that
1: your doctor wouldn't do your, like, I think it's illegal. No? I doctor don't know. Legal.
0: To not complete I mean I guess the I think the idea is like their not, they're supposed to like sign off of if you need it or not. So like so I guess there is there probably is some discretion there. But I don't I don't know because I didn't have any pushback. My doctor (laughs) was begging for me to fucking go to the hospital for a while before I took FMLA. So Yeah. So Yeah,
1: but so that's yeah that's my
0: well so how <laughs> have you healed or how are you healing because i'm sure it's an active <laughs> process and what are the signs that things maybe get better for you if they even are and what do you think you need to continue healing on course
1: um i think So healing was definitely a journey. I feel like I didn't start doing so until years after the fact, because I was just so traumatized and like still in disbelief. Yeah, that's normal. You know, so like once I started processing, um, that definitely helped me through it. But it's still like not an everyday thing. Like I definitely think about it at least once a day, if not um but um you know i think it definitely made me a stronger person so i'm like i don't know i'm trying to see the see the good that that brought me you know like see the positive yeah the silver lining it's really hard to sometimes yeah Um, it
0: is i mean because like you know i think for me who like so you know someone avoidant of doctors um, you know, I, I, I don't never go, but um I am historically like a little avoidant of it. It's like that could end my life and like, so it is as scary to like have this trauma that like could prevent how we engage
1: with like the medical system. Right, right. and. Um, Like through therapy, my therapist, like really pointed out, she's like, you know, if you don't get help when you need it, then eventually that's going to lead to more long term, like, yeah, I'm like, you're right, you're right.
0: That shit just built. It don't go anywhere. Like, you know, I got a, I got a massage from a friend like a month or so ago and i'm just like you probably just worked out like literal like decades of trauma because i never got like a deep massage like that before and like yeah that that shit doesn't just fly away in the wind when you fart for everyone like it just like is stored in your body and in your brain until you fucking do something about it so like having a space to do something and like you know and that you know, means like access, like finance, like financial, like it needs to be financially affordable to get like therapy. It needs you need to be able to access a therapist who is like understanding of like your specific needs, like, Mm -hmm. and uses a model that works for you and what you need, like, again, it's just there's just like so many barriers to something that is like, so that can be so like life dependent. And if, and then like we, by engaging with these systems and being failed by them or being burned out by them or being like bankrupt by them, Mm -hmm. like that just creates even more reason not to go or to like just engage in a way that is like unsustainable like you know i'm thinking of like you know like what if you're like 80 and you have all these health problems because you're fucking 80 and then you need to get a second opinion <laughs> on every little thing like that can that could lend like that you know part of your doctor's like negligence like you know made the problem take longer to solve than it should have and like mm-hmm. that that could also happen with like getting constant second opinions <laughs> like Uh, yeah but like your trust but your mistrust is also based in like very like reality and like and it's possible you could be 80 trust the the first doctor and then die that way like it's just so it just feels so fucking rigged and Mm -hmm. so fucking scary and all we can do is like try to learn from it which like you know when it's like (laughs) <laughs> it's like, of course, like, you know, you have this thing happen, and you're like, all right, well, what do I get from this? And then it, it like, makes sense. It's like, like, well, I trusted a professional. The professional failed me, so my lesson is to not trust the professional. And it's, it is, like, really tough where, like, you know, like, your, your fear of doctors is, like, rational. But also, being afraid of doctors or not trusting doctors is also dangerous. Like, it, and it, it's just like, what the fuck are you supposed Double to do? Double-edged
1: Yeah. Support. Yep. Um, on the financial aspect, though, I mm-hmm. want to give a shout out to Charity Care. I don't know if you're familiar. No. So you can tell me all about it. Of course. So when you are too poor to pay your hospital bills, which everyone pretty much is, yes. um, you can apply for a thing called charity care, which basically they'll cover a large percentage of your hospital bill. Um, and I could have sued for what happened to me. Um, and I didn't really think like think about that because it was like you know my life was kind of yeah in the air.
0: and like lawyers um, also very inaccessible and also like if you're going through this like year-long thing like you don't want to
1: make it longer no and that's the last thing on my mind I don't have money for that shit like so um a lot of my bills ended up going to collections and I applied for charity care they ask you for all the documentation to prove that this is the time you're in the hospital, you know, every, any service who's going to pay your bills wants that documentation and they're going to make it hard for you so they don't have to pay. But so I sent them my paperwork maybe three times. It got lost, all that stuff. They couldn't find it, blah, blah, blah. Um, Eventually they did pay off like a huge chunk of my bills. I think I have maybe one or two small bills left in collections but like honestly fuck them and I like my mom's yeah. like you got another medical bill in the mail and I'm like you can shred it like they can literally kiss my ass that's kind of where I'm at too which is like ooh, I don't want to be resentful also but i am so like I, it's, still, <laughs> it's still a struggle trying to like come back from that not yeah not.
0: <laughs> yeah like you fucking i don't hesitate to say like it sounds like you almost fucking died so like i don't like any resentment or mistrust or anger or whatever like just all feel like you know like theoretically not something you want to hold on to forever but like you have to like those are those are natural feelings and like you should feel them absolutely
1: yeah yeah i just like can't let that get in the way of any future no you know but it's an everyday thing absolutely
0: great well cool i think it's about time to wrap up uh that was the brutal one uh i if i could say so myself um so we end on gratitude i am grateful for you coming on the show again talking about something so fucking vulnerable (laughs) talking about your pussy and your crack um and just yeah like very informative and i am really grateful for you coming on once again Of course, and uh, other than that, I am grateful for. I don't know. I uh, went to a support group meeting today, and I haven't been going as regularly, really, and it was it was just kind of nice to be in there. Uh, so I'm grateful for that. And what are you grateful for?
1: Um, again, always grateful for this opportunity Hell to yeah. chat with you. Um, and also. I'm just really grateful for women. Hell yeah. I not be here without them.
0: Hell yeah. I love women. And, mm-hmm. Cool. So, if you want to, if you're a doctor and want to defend yourself, send an unhinged email to com. I hmm, I don't know if any doctors listen to this show. Um, probably not. <laughs> um but who knows. I
1: have friends that are nurses. They kind of count, right? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they'll listen to it. And yeah.
0: and fucking clownhospitalpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Explain yourselves.
1: It's um
0: easy. Yes, please. Uh I would love to get more email. Um and the Clown Hospital clown hospital pod on Instagram, Clown Hospital BB on Twitter and uh with that we say this
1: podcast is dedicated to everyone we've lost and then we heal in their honor peace